Hey, welcome to Steve McGrath's Basecraft. So, um, yeah, great to be back chatting to you after a little break from releasing episodes. Um, been tipping away with a few things. I did a few YouTube videos. I did one about, like, chordal bass lines, and I just, another one I reviewed, a fuzz pedal that I really like, this Donner Fuzz Seeker. It was like 50 quid, I just bought it on a whim. And uh, it turned out to be one of the nicest fuzz pedals I've ever played. And, uh, yeah, so I was just getting set up here today to do this little intro, and... Um, what arrived only the the t-shirts the podcast t-shirts and so i spent all day wrapping them up and get posting them all that crack and uh, yeah i'm delighted with them they look awesome they look even better in real life than they did in the mock-ups just a really good printing job done by absurd merch so um if you want to grab your own one just go down to the link in the description click through and order it i've got plenty here and i want to post them out so uh, yeah, today's guest is Charlie McCarthy. He's a young bass player who's currently studying in BIM and as he says himself, he just plays in so many bands, you can barely remember the names of them all. And um, yeah, great guy. Uh, I was kind of just putting out a call there a few months ago for who I should get on Irish bass players that people should know and his name popped up a few times. So I was delighted to get him on for a chat. And uh, yeah, we chatted about loads of stuff, kind of um, production and the timbre of the bass and different bases you'll choose and all that kind of crack and also he gave some really good insights into why someone would move to study in Dublin because he's he's from um, Connemara himself but um, he moved to Dublin to study in BIM and he just gave a good insight into what that experience is, is like for anyone who's thinking about doing it. So yeah, let's just jump in and also he recorded some music for the podcast so you'll hear that at the end. It's um, a song from one of one of his many bands, it's a piece they put together for college, it's called Nostradamus, no not, not, not Nostradamus, ne, ne, that's the other guy, that's the, the doom and gloom uh, apocalypse guy, it's uh, Nasferatu, that's the one yeah. So yeah, let's just jump in and uh, as usual, like, subscribe, buy some merch see you soon hey i'm back actually i forgot to mention um just a little note for our non-irish listeners near the end of the podcast me and charlie were talking about how he is a gwilgor which means someone who speaks the irish language which is called gwilga so we were just chatting about that and i was actually saying i was terrible at irish in school which i thought i was but i actually found my transcript from school recently and i got an a in pass irish but i can't speak any irish and um, yeah, that's a conversation for a different podcast or maybe even this one on another day about the Irish language. So um, if you need to learn a bit more about that, look it up or send me a message. I can tell you about it. But just to give you a context, that's what we were talking about. Uh, Charlie's from a part. There's little sections of Ireland where people still speak the language on a daily basis and they're called Gwail Talks. So he's from one of them and they're particularly beautiful parts of Ireland. So if you ever come over definitely go to a Gwail Talk and check it out. So yeah, that's it lads, see you soon. They have a whole collection, they had a sale on a while back, so I got the whole collection and Jesus Christ, some of the sounds out of that, like between what? that and the Logic plugins, like I actually don't need anything else. Like. What kind of plugins are they, like uh, keyboard sounds or? It's all, um, so it's like processing plugins, so there's mm. some really nice like kind of compression um, chain stuff for drums and then really nice delays and reverbs. There's one deal called the Crystallizer in there as well, which like I'm not. I don't even know how it works. Like, it sounds <laughs> good when you put it on stuff. It makes it sound crystal. Yeah, yeah, crystal just, yeah. It crystallizes. Yeah, no, it, it like it sounds like it takes a delayed signal, and, like pitches it up octaves or whatever. But um, it doesn't sound like an octave reverb or delay or anything. It sounds like 
crystals like it's it's nuts <laughs> deadly so they named it well anyway they got it yeah, spot no, 100%, on yeah 100% like yeah are you doing a lot of that since um, all the COVID shit have you beat yeah, making yeah, since, more than bass since playing August. Like? yeah it's weird I've kind of put the bass down a bit more recently um, but like I, I suppose I'm still working away on it obviously because of college and like I'm playing bass with a lot of bands and stuff so mm. I'm still busy with it but it's like I've been taking a much deeper interest in like producing and trying to get things to sound like good as opposed to just leaving it to somebody else. Yeah, I'm definitely getting better at that. Recording my own takes. Yeah. Like I, I find a lot of it's in the EQ. Like if you can understand what the different bits of frequencies, how they affect. Well, depending what sound, like when I want a good pick tone, I like boost the mids like right up. Yeah. And yeah. Scoop out everything else because that's the, the sound I'm, that's I want. That's where it is. Yeah, yeah. Where it lives. But it's great though because it, I feel cool. like you know you just kind of get a better understanding of uh, your own sound like you learn things about yourself through recording yourself that you never would have before if that makes sense yeah sometimes bad things like you look oh, down you yeah, look at the, tra- the time like <laughs> you look at the transient and say F- I keep coming in early on every be- on all yeah. the first beat <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah that's actually great as well to like I've been doing that a lot to try to get feel a bit tighter because um, I tend to rush over bar lines mm. a little bit so I'm trying to just pull it back by like watching the transients as I go and then listening back yeah that is good it's, it's held but like <laughs> it's worth doing like yeah it's deadly in um, logic you can you can make tempo tracks and you know slow your, slow it down and have it change yeah. as you're practicing that's that's some challenge like even if you have all the chops in the world like that's still going to be a challenge for you like yeah yeah I think there's um, what there was a great lesson we got from one of our lectures actually back at the start of college um, Robbie Malone he plays with play with Lear and plays with the frames and I think he plays with David Gray at the moment but um, I remember him like he put up basically like a, like four bars and then divided the bars in terms of eighth notes and just marked certain eighth notes and let a metronome go and made everybody play that there, like mm. there were loads of people just like slapping away and doing mad choppy stuff but nobody apart from him was able to actually just sit there and nail like whatever beats he was pointing to and just like with I think it was just C he was playing that was it yeah. like just on the it's groove like, grid, as they call it, the little bumps on the grid and hit the ones yeah. that you want to hit. Yeah. Uh, it's way harder. It's it's hard, like... <laughs> no, it is. It's way harder than you think. Uh, what year yeah. are you now in, um, BIM? Final year. Um, all right, I'm deadly. wrapping up now. Uh, how's yeah. it been for you? I've really enjoyed it, in all fairness. Like, I mean, start to finish, it's kind of been fantastic in terms of meeting people and, like, being able to kind of work on music full-time and get to know, like, loads of people who are obviously like looking to make a career out of it as well like but uh it's just been tricky as well since like halfway through third year now last year mm. um we haven't been on campus like which is i don't know it kind of takes a lot out of it because it is a course that definitely benefits from being in person like i mean yeah. most do but in particular like it's a performance course like mainly isn't it it is yeah yeah that's what a big part of it is i actually just submitted my um solo performance exam which i recorded all from home what so, did you do for the solo performance I did uh, What's the Use by Mac Miller. I was doing that oh, yeah. Thundercat bass. Actually, things. funny enough, I was, I'm was i doing a video for my channel ah, soon no, about bass cards and I was just uh, I playing, what's it called, um, Dem Changes. And, yeah, um, it's fantastic. Trying yeah, to yeah. get the sounds and all that on it. Yeah. I found a great little trick for that actually is the, um, I have a C4, you know the Source Audio synth pedals. Mm. Uh, I have a C4, but there's one patch I have modelled after... Um, it's like a Pigtronics envelope phaser or something like that. I think that's what he actually uses for okay. his tone, Thundercat. Because it's like an auto filter, but it sounds kind of 
like wobbly as well like so yeah well, it's finding hard to get like filter. well he has a six string so that he's getting some low notes is, from that like. six strings worth like nine and a half grand too so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know I, so i'm only trying like, to show people what he's doing with the card so i don't have to get yeah, it yeah. perfect you know yeah but uh um, yeah you're in fourth year so and uh what what lecturers are in the college i know i think the guy who plays with Farmer, paul moore is that i know paul moore is the head of base yeah he's uh he's running the course um, he's fantastic. We've who else we have? We've Keith Farrell as well. Um, another great session. But I think he played with Mundy for a few years. I might be, or he played on Galway Girl, anyways. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, we have Adam Taylor as well. Is another great bassist. He plays in um like a quartet with Jay Kern. You know the guitarist who plays for Nile Horn. Mm. Um, who else do we have? I think that's kind of the main people we have. Then we have like um the likes of like Gav Fox as well, who played with Turn that band, who were before. My time, I think they were like touring and stuff in the nineties. Yeah, they were before my time. I I have heard of them. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> never saw them play. Like, yeah, yeah. I think they play Wheelands every year, actually. Oh yeah, as far as I know, every Christmas. Yeah, I played Wheelands every um every week for about five months there at one stage. When we start, we Jesus. got we got a cave, big cave. He's like one of the main barmen there. He saw mm. us playing in a pub in Cork, and um, he got us the residency playing a Wheelands every week for, for about Happy six days. months like that was great kind of break for us we did a lot of yeah, ne- yeah. networking through that like you know yeah for sure yeah, we, we found that as well with um one of the bands of my nerves kind of my, like my main band um we through doing support gigs and stuff we ended up gigging in Wheelands. like i think over the course of four months it was like every other week <laughs> it just supports lots like yeah the main room is class it has such a ah, awesome fantastic. sound like yeah it's something else and uh, how has your bass playing evolved since you left Galway? Like when you were, uh, if you were probably pretty young when you went to college first. Like yeah, no, I was only eighteen, but mm. um, I think like I really underestimated when I started playing like the importance of like I suppose it took a bit of, like going through college a bit as well to realize like that it's not all about chops and there's mm. like way more to be said for being able to just play simple and listen to what else is going on like um because that's very much I think where my head was at for I mean my head is still there honestly you're a pretty like, flashy player like I, I follow yeah, you on yeah, Instagram and to, to hear you say it's not all about chops at least you figured that out but yeah you, I, so, you but do like, have serious I mean, you know, chops though you're definitely into that as well like. yeah, yeah it's, it's something I really enjoy but at yeah. the same time it's like you know like it doesn't really I feel like you know no, no music's paying the bills for me at the moment but if something does pay the bills it's not going to be my chops like no definitely not yeah yeah like nobody needs like bad fast slapping most of the time it's just like laying down a groove and supporting what's there like um i think that's the biggest thing that's changed honestly throughout college um which i'm really glad for as well it's like robbie in particular um who i was talking about earlier he's like the one who kind of nailed that home mm. in a really big way and did you were you surprised how hard you found playing that more simpler stuff when you were probably you know we're all like that when we're 18 we we learn how to play really fast, and we assume all the stuff that we skipped is easy. But yeah, no, it was um, it was I think it was in like second or third year where I did a class with Robbie where it was all about studio recording, um, and laying down like recording bass and like a studio environment sort of thing. But the biggest like change I noticed was sitting there and listening back to whatever takes I put down with him, and then looking at like the transients and listening to like the feel of it, um that's where it like really really got pointed out to me was like yeah okay i can like do the fast stuff but can i do like slow stuff and like make a song work better 
just off playing bass like because you know so often it's a weird one because like you, I think as a bass player you're kind of fighting the whole time with like the spotlight sometimes yeah, you, yeah well you, you well, kind of I feel like bad to like, jump around as well on stage oh and, same yeah 100% but like you know, it doesn't always work, especially with, like, covers gigs and that sort of car. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, you might look a bit ridiculous jumping around while they're doing Wagon Wheel or some rendition. Oh. <laughs> nah, you probably Please won't know. play that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were you always into that kind of slap and fast stuff before you went to college? Was that kind of what you were... It, was it Primus and those kind of bands you were into? Yeah, like, I learned a lot of Primus kind of... I think everybody who kind of gets more into slap like stumbles across a Rob Scallon video and then is like, right, I'm going to give Primus a shot. Like, <laughs> But um, I kind of, yeah, I, I was really like mad into that muse and like the Chili Peppers before college and stuff. And then in college, I kind of got introduced to bands like um, like Chon or Polyphia and stuff like that. I wanted to get more into like sort of math rock sort of stuff. Um, and then like kind of noise rock stuff as well. So bands like, you know, Girl Band from Dublin. Yeah, I know that uh, I've heard of them, but um, you were saying when I was emailing you before this that you're really into his bass style, but I wouldn't know yeah. much about his bass style if you could kind of explain what you mean by that. Like, So it's like, um, I, I mean, I, the next time you get the chance to see them live, go and take a look because it'll blow your mind. The way they play is like, it, it's like kind of no wave, that genre that popped up in New York in the 70s, maybe. Um, might be wrong in saying that, but it, it's part of that genre, basically. And the idea is that like, um, at the start of that genre, like the people who were playing the instruments couldn't actually play the instruments, so they were using them in completely unconventional ways. Like nobody was playing chords or anything. <laughs> so what they essentially do in girl band is like they use pedals and stuff to make like textures more than they would actual like harmony or like functional harmony in any way. Mm. So with like Dan, his um, bass playing style, like so much of it is just based on like repetition and like textures, but it kind of hits a stage where the bass doesn't even really sound like a bass anymore. It's like this, it, it starts turning into a pad or just like a low rumble. Like they covered, um, a really good example of them using that to like great effect, I think is, um, they covered a, a song by Blauen, who's a DJ called Why They Hide Their Bodies Under My Garage. But like, if you listen back to them one for one, they managed to recreate like the timbre and the feel of a techno track, but with a band, like it's, it's <laughs> nuts. Like, it's, that takes yeah, a, lot it's pedal, really cool. a lot of guitar pedals to do that. If you see, yeah, if you see Alan Duggan, the guitarist, like on stage, oftentimes he's standing with both feet on the board, like moving two expression mm. pedals at once. Like, are, are they, they're big stressful. in Dublin, Lord. <laughs> is that is that like a popular scene in Dublin? People I, doing that type of music. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of part of the scene that I'm in as well with some of the music that I play. Is like the kind of more off the whole post punk thing that's happening at the moment with like Fontaines and the Murder Capital and all of them. There's the whole kind of no wave side of things as well or like more noise orientated stuff mm. with y- bands like Girl y- Band or you play a Mustang which would be kind of the kind of thing you'd play if you were in like Fontaines or one of those kind of bands <laughs> yeah 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 so I just, why I, the Mustang I like why did you go for, for life that like? Me, like honestly it was like the idea of having a short scale just I, I knew my life was going to be easier if I got a short scale and then past that it was like I know there's only so much I can do in terms of tone, especially for a lot of the, like, maybe math rock or, like, more progressive stuff. Um, Because ideally, you know, you'd have, like, a dingwall or something like that. But I just honestly can't get past the way a dingwall looks. Like, it just looks so... (laughs) Do they all come in those toxic yellow colours or do they have more neutral ones? (laughs) 
I don't know, but even at that, it's just the shape, man. They can't get past it. Like. Yeah, I've never played one. I've never played a fan fright base either. I, I, I don't know yeah, what the story is with them. Yeah. It kind of, it scares me a little bit, but maybe that's a good thing. Who knows? Like, Yeah, well, I'm sh- the short scales are just half, it's only in the last year or two that they've kind of exploded in popularity. And you can see now that the, the companies are catching up because this year and last year, all the big companies started releasing short scales. But two or three years ago, there was only like a handful of them available like to choose from. Mm. Yeah, no, actually, I think my first base, which I'm pretty sure I have here, is uh, it's this little uh, short scale area that I got oh, off my dad, cool. actually. Five string yeah, as well. Is it? Oh, it's four string. Four string. With, um, yeah, sorry, I'll just hold it up. To oh, the yeah, I can there. see it now. Yeah. But it's like 24 frets on a short scale, meaning that the body is like... I mean, absolutely tiny. Yeah, it looks ridic- it's, it's mostly neck, like yeah, it looks ridiculous. Like, is it? No, it looks like a really nice base, actually. Yeah, I got it done up a bit. I put in um, a nice like Demarzio pickup and uh, some flat wounds. So, because again, another thing Robbie was saying to me was like, everybody should just have a P base with flats. So yeah, I have that, a P base with flats now. You kind of have to. Like, it's like guitarists have to have a Strat, a Les Paul, and Telecaster. A bass yeah, player yeah. needs to have a P base. And the other two, I don't know. I haven't decided <laughs> what, yeah. what, what bases I'd have to throw away. Like it just is uh, a P base. It's fine. Like yeah, I, the PJ configuration is grand, but even on my one to have the Aerodyne, I don't use the Jazz pickup at all. I just have it always. I I, I love the Jazz pickup. In all fairness, yeah, I, For, well, like, my, it doesn't work in my one, so that's probably why I don't use it. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> I get it, it broke, and I didn't I didn't ever get it fixed, but I will at some stage. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like I love having that pickup configuration because like I use um I've actually used the same pickups th- I have the Mustang here. Um, I've used the same pickups in this for since I was like probably seventeen maybe. Mm. Um, I have the Seymour Duncan quarter pounders in it. Oh yeah, um, class. Just because like the pickup selector is deadly as well. That's a deadly little a cool little feature. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a game changer because like I was used, used to use a P base with those same pickups in it, and it'd be hell to try to change pickup configuration by rolling volume knobs. Mm. Um, so just having like a, a selector that I can actually just flick like a guitarist and just like smack it <laughs> and, and keep playing his notes. Like, can you do the kill switch thing as well with it? Is there two volume knobs on the... There isn't actually, no. Oh. no. Oh, I have a kill switch on mine already. Yeah. On my really? airline. It's the volume knob is a kill switch as well. It's actually, if, oh, great, if you have loads of gain turned on and you're doing some crazy thing in a song, you can use it. But as a bass player, yeah. the kill switch isn't the most practical yeah, thing Yeah, the most useful. I might have to get one though. It sounds like a good laugh. So like. It actually is a good laugh. I I, I just yeah. use it at the end of the song, you know, when you're a big crescendo of effects and you just start pressing yeah. it. I don't know. It's I do it once a night and I, I, I get, so I get my use out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that explains why Same I have as a, a like a, a guitarist with an ebo. It's just used for the outro of like the very last 30 seconds of a song <laughs> yeah, yeah I've seen um, Steve Lawson uses the Ebo on the bass a good bit and it okay. it's a, do you know you're white to him um, English bass player I haven't heard of him no he, uh, he, he does solo uh, he does solo albums on the bass he has about tw- 30 or 40 of them on Bandcamp that's what he does like right okay um, he's really good at the Ebo and just generally any kind of bass effects and ambient stuff like uh, he's mm. the man for that and yeah, yeah. Are you getting into like chord? You were saying you're getting into kind of chordal stuff as well on the bass more lately. Yeah, like, like for those, um, for a lot of that kind of more noise based stuff in in that band that I play with, Nerves, um, 
the way we kind of approach is that the guitarist does more like kind of shoegaze sort of stuff. So like My Bloody Valentine or those sort of bands where it's like big, huge chords with layers and layers or like reverb and stuff. But because it's just me, him and a drummer, um, I often find like, you know, if you play bass in a really kind of normal, like root note sort of way, it doesn't really fill out the sound enough, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, like melodically, in her- like in terms of harmony and just timbre as well, like it's just not really big enough. So like I've been experimenting a lot more with like chord voicings on bass um, and kind of trying to do chord melodies on bass as well to varying degrees of success, of course. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you had, would you not go for an extra, like a five string or a six string for that sound? Yeah, like? I've, been, I've been thinking about getting a five string um, and again, a six would actually just make my life even easier, but yeah. also much harder because <laughs> I'd have to learn how to play six string. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I do, you probably wouldn't use the B very much. You're better off to get in a five string with a high C string. With the high C, yeah. A friend of mine actually used to have that configuration all the way through college actually and Every time a lecturer picked his bass up, they would just be completely confused because it's just it's so wrong. Like, yeah, it's it's great on bass the way all the strings are tuned to fourth. So yeah, yeah, it, it, your scales and stuff don't change. Like on guitar, you've yeah. you have the a different the B string is different. Yeah, so yeah, it confuses for sure. you. I've been finding that I'm using my dad's telly at the moment. Actually, um, I got pull it out. You're, some, you're pulling out if all these guitars. Like how how much yeah, how, how many guitars are on the ground? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a rack there, so oh, it's okay. all mounted in. But I've been using this telly a lot recently for like recording and trying to noodle as well, and just trying to understand how guitarists voice things, I suppose. Mm. But um, that keeps throwing me the, B- the high B and E because every single scale shape is just like the only time. Like when I think of a tritone in my head, I think of like that shape of yeah, like the bass kind up, of thing, up yeah. a string, up a fret. Um, so the fact that like tritones on the high G and B on a guitar actually sound good, just like it looks so wrong to me when I'm playing <laughs> that like everything in me screams no when my hand goes to do it. Like. So you haven't played guitar at all. You you started on bass straight away, did you? I did. Yeah. Um, I kind of I've actually only really started playing guitar now in the past, maybe, Jesus, since Christmas maybe that mm. I've actually been giving it a proper go. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm no guitarist though. Like it. I can play maybe five or six chords and that's it. Like. Well, for like, if you ever watch on YouTube, some of the big beat makers, I was watching one, he had, a, he has about half a million views, like, and yeah, yeah. He, my God, he was no great shakes on the guitar. Like he, he was barely yeah. getting them notes out, but when he finished making the beat, it sounded unbelievable. So well, that's it, they're yeah. using it in a different way. Like they're not trying to yeah, yeah. be like amazing guitar players. They just want to be able to play enough guitar to put it into their computer to write tracks. Like, I think that's kind of what I'm giving a hand at as well. It's just like, it's also just good to know, like, I think, I suppose, what it's like to play the other instruments that you're playing with all the time, like, um, and understanding what they're doing. Because then you can kind of, I don't know, it just kind of broadens your, the way you conceptualize things when you're playing, if that makes mm. sense. And your dad is a musician as well, is he? He is, yeah, he's a, he's a guitarist. He plays a lot of blues and kind of country stuff. Um, He's a load of really, like, really nice guitars he has I think his nicest is probably he has a 66 Mustang I think or mm. 68 Mustang nice um, yeah that's. but it's like it's tiny <laughs> this yoke is like the, the size of the neck is like a pinky mm. finger like it's it's this tiny little yoke like. <laughs> yeah the vintage stuff is weird like sometimes they can be horrible like you know yeah. they've been wherever they come from you know it depends how well they were looked after and what kind of room they were kept in like people yeah, yeah. are a bit obsessed with the, the the age of a guitar they assume it's brilliant but 
I have no interest in really getting into the vintage base thing. I'm happy with new stuff. <laughs> yeah, same, honestly. Um, also, just the, the terror of, like, the idea of bringing a vintage P-Base out anywhere yeah. scares the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> it's too much money to gamble on. Like. Yeah, no way. <laughs> and is that how you got started yeah. on the base? Because your dad played music or was it some other re- friends in school? Like, It was kind of like... I mean, it was. they were always there when I was growing up. And there was one occasion I can remember where my dad tried to teach me and my brother. I think I might have been eight or nine at the time. Um, he tried to teach us to play guitar and got absolutely nowhere. <laughs> we were <laughs> completely disinterested. Like, um, But it was always this, like, that black bass was always lying around. So um, I just picked it up one day and got him to show me, like, I think he showed me a 12-bar blues, and then I kind of just went from there, pretty much. And then in, like, secondary school, I got into, like, Chili Peppers. Um, that was a big one for mm-hmm. me at the time. Uh, and I started playing with, like, other guys in my class, and then kind of got into it more and more, and then started playing with more people, and just pretty much progressed it. from there. Like, cool. Yeah, yeah that, I was hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> Same here. I was Chili Pepper. I'm reading Flea's biography at the moment. It's really good. Oh, yeah. He doesn't actually pick up the bass till well into his teens like he's playing a bit of trumpet like at the moment in the book but yeah he's, I thought he would have been playing bass from a super young age because you know he's such a legend on the bass but yeah, no, yeah. he was late enough in his teens like when he picked it up mm. but I was obsessed yeah, no, with him as well just love loved his playing and everything he's, he's yeah. done like it's weird because I've kind of I've distanced myself from it a lot actually over the past years of just like Maybe that's just part of college um, <laughs> and like being in the music college yeah. is that nobody wants to say they like they're not really members, but like, <laughs> you know, it's, it is how I learned how to play so much of what I do. Like, mm. and it's the basis of, I mean, like him or not, like Flea is one of the most influential bass players ever, arguably. Yeah. Like. Well, I'm old enough to remember when By The Way came out, like, and on that album, he stopped slapping. He does a, There's a bit of slap, but he played with a pick for most of the album. And right, okay. So it was like I was wa- I was around when he was like evolving his style of bass, like so. Yeah, yeah. That kind of made me play a bit of pick bass because like, oh, Flea is doing that now. Now I'll play some pick bass, but yeah, yeah. Probably these days you'd probably just listen to all his slap stuff and fancy stuff. You, you might listen to some of that later Chili's material, like. Yeah, yeah. I love his pick playing as well, though. I have to say, I mean, I think one of my favorite Chili's tunes is probably like Parallel Universe. I think that's off Californication. Uh, yeah, uh, we're around that era anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's all just, like, the whole track is just, like, pick bass and guitar. All, like, pan-muted stuff, but it just kind of... It really works, like... Um, I think that's one that I learned, actually, as well, at the start of, like, getting into pick bass. Mm. Huh. Yeah, I'm getting into that at the moment. Well, I've been doing it all lockdown playing pick bass. It's class, like, yeah, but yeah. it's a completely different beast, like... But w- it is, yeah. Once you start really getting into it, it's so much fun, because... There's no way you could play those kind of bass lines with your fingers just oh, to get no, the kind of yeah, sounds yeah. and the rhythms like. I mean, like, I think the closest you can get is maybe using your index finger like that and using it as a pick, but yeah. like, that you, you're just not going to get that attack with your fingers, like, unless you have a fingernail the size of, you know, a toe. Like. <laughs> or the double tumming. Some people are quite good at getting a pick yeah. kind of sound. I, I, do, I do a bit of that double thumbing, but I definitely need to go in the shed and do a lot more of it to, yeah, to yeah. be confident. It's, it's the consistency of it that I find really hard of like, mm. it's just like trying to keep it consistent. The way like somebody like Marcus Miller would, where it's just like, it just sounds, you hear it and it sounds like it's as easy for him as like playing 16th notes with his fingers or something like that. 
is his double thumb yeah. in, which is terrifying to me because like I just find I feel like I'm like clanking around the place if I'm double thumbing like <laughs> uh, what, what bass players are you into these days who would you be um, well transcribing and just being inspired by I think a big one like for the past since probably second year of college is the bassist from Polyphia um, Clay Gober is his name but he's fantastic in terms of like his approach his techniques really uh, kind of coming back to pick playing actually his techniques really unique in that because um he does like you know alternate picking on guitar where yeah. they have a actually hang on is he, have, like, like, um, he, he would he be big in the bass world because i'm aware of the band but i'm more aware of is it tim henson the, the yeah the, tim henson the guitar steals the spotlight because he's a, a complete innovator on the way he plays guitar mm-hmm. and like chord melodies and stuff but his bass playing like if you listen out for it like there, there's actually some really interesting stuff happening because the way he plays is like this where um obviously the pick is doing the lower notes but it's like slap bass but with a pick yeah and then he pops with all of this but like hybrid the, kind like of this picking it's hybrid, hybrid picking yeah but like it's really interesting because the speed you can get the triplets at is nuts when mm. you're using a pick as opposed to having to like double thumb everything yeah um He's yeah, so he's been a really big one at the moment, um, and for the past while. And then I've been trying to get into more of like, kind of with more feel orientated stuff, I suppose, like Thundercats session work as opposed to his original stuff, because his original stuff is just balls to the wall. Like <laughs> yeah. his fills notes. are like those thirty-two second note fills, but yeah, yeah, I like. It's more about his brilliant sense of pulse. Like he just yeah. goes nuts and those those really fast runs but because they're so in the pocket they sound perfect but when, yeah, yeah. when you try and emulate yourself it's very hard to get the get them in the pocket the way he does because they're like 30 yeah, seconds no, 32 sure. to second notes like yeah no it's, it's nuts but like I, a big one for me has been um kendrick lamar's album to pimp a butterfly because uh, i know thundercat played bass on that and i think it was it was him flying lotus and kamazi washington are all three like modern kind of jazz players I suppose did all the like they worked on the production and the tracks for it mm. with Kendrick so what you get is just this crazy like kind of blend of like hip hop and jazz um, but a lot of the bass playing on that album is phenomenal like it's it's Thundercat at his best in my opinion because he's just grooving like <laughs> yeah. and coming up with really really tasty lines that like support the track so that's been a really big one for me recently. Cool. So there you're at the moment, that's kind of what you're in. And that's probably what a lot of people in, it's funny, people in music college do listen to d- different types of music to other bass players. It's all, and it, it's kind of, it changes, like it depends on the era. Like I suppose that's what's popular yeah, yeah. these days, is it that style of, it's always something jazzy or funk, but it depends. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's part of the course of the music college, yeah. I feel, because it's just like, it's a genre where everybody can like, be a bit virtuosic mm. like and not Vulpec are they um, not big at the moment with, with yourself I, I've, I've, I've had my time with Vulpec <laughs> you're sick of them <laughs> I've been there yeah I'm kind of like it's not even them but it's like uh, it, it was being in college when um, Vulpec really started to get big which is what kind of like turned me off them because I mean it it would be all you would hear in like the common room or whatever yeah. it was just people banging out Vulpec tunes and it's like every assessment as well because the way the BIM does assessments is that like you have to do performance assessments, but the way they work is that um, anybody can come in and just sit down and watch. Like, mm. So there's always a big group of people between whoever's up next for their audition and like just random people hanging out. Like, But um, I spent like a lot of time in that room in Francis Street just kind of watching like people's assessments or whatever. But like the amount of Wolfpack I saw covered <laughs> like to a 
okay, standard but, kind of turned me off the bad like. uh, would it, I, I know when you're in college, you probably think you have to play like the most technical piece, but would you not probably just get a good mark if you just played like a normal, simple baseline and just yep. played it really well instead of trying to yep. play like the hardest baseline you can find? Just because Joe Dart plays the way Joe Dart does does not mean anybody else has to. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, his uh, signature bass is a bit controversial. It was like about two two or three grand for like a bass with one knob on it. Was it actually two or three uh, grand? It was well expensive. Sounds great when he's playing Jesus. it, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but he's Joe Dart. Like. Exactly. <laughs> he plays yeah. in Ireland a good bit. He's in a, this band called The Old. He does the, the Olum, isn't the it? The Olum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was listening to their album actually at the time it came out. There, there was one couple of years back now um, that tune the bell is off it actually but uh, his bass playing on that's gorgeous is it yeah different like he, d- very different to what he does yeah, in the other band he, he definitely like you can still hear that it's Joe Dart but he sits back a lot more and kind mm. of grooves it I mean not that he doesn't groove in Wolfpack because obviously he does but like it's not it's a lot less like shit hot funk playing and more kind of no emotive playing yeah, I yeah. suppose yeah well Fleet in a bit of that with um, the guy from Ray, Tom, Tom York on his solo stuff or was it they had a band for a while and it's funny it's cool when you see a bass player who's famous for one thing and when they get put into another situation they they still shine but in a different kind of way Like, yeah yeah I love seeing that as well because like uh, you know it, actually that again happened was at like Thundercat where um, his session work is like a different beast entirely to all his like solo stuff mm. Um. But yeah, it's great when you get to see that. And I suppose it's a real testament to like somebody actually being an incredibly skilled musician when they know like what really suits a song. Like, yeah, definitely. And do you think where are you going to go after college? Do you want to be one of these session guys? Or, well, that's, or that's a big question. <laughs> because <laughs> some of my guests have come on, and we were. Uh, I, I, I'm in from the world of being in an original band, like for the last ten years, yeah, yeah. and that's what I do, and that's all I understand. So I found it kind of interesting when people were telling me that they don't want to be in one band. They they want to be always kind of a, a gun for hire and that's the way they like it. Which wouldn't yeah. be my mentality, but it, that's cool Like that people can go different ways. Like, Do you know what? Do you want to get into the one band and go for making I kinda, it? Or like, you don't know yet? I want to try to do all of it, weirdly enough. Like, <laughs> well, the like, diary, you, really, can only, like, you can only play so many weekends. So I, I play yeah, twice a weekend true, when true. gigs are yeah. around. Like. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I mean, I know I'll have to compromise on stuff, but like, I I love all the original music that I'm like I'm part of, uh, and I'm in a few bands. I'm in kind of two or three. I always keep forgetting. It's like it's kind of two or three. <laughs> Hope you remember bands. the names of the bands at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's the easy part. Like, but um, yeah, no, it's like I love working on original stuff while also trying to balance like you know what I'm doing in terms of production at the moment and trying to build that up is that going to be um, original releases at some stage your own maybe production? I, I, at the moment I, I very much feel um, very new to it there's this like I, and like the way I've kind of like really found that out is like there's um, a producer for Softboy Records you know uh, you know Kojak that rapper from mm. Dublin his so the label he's part of one of the producers named Gaptooth runs these um, like beat battles every it's actually on tonight, every Saturday, I think, on Instagram Live. But um, people, like, he basically sends out a sample and then people turn it into a beat and send it in. Oh, and cool. And does he, like, play it's, yeah, it's really and cool. then kind of listen to yeah, it? Yeah, it just plays all of them and then, like, people pick out their favourite three and then the winners get, like, clout, I suppose, at the that's end. That's deadly. But, um, <laughs> it's really cool, but, like, that's what's really shown me, like, 
how far I have to go in like production. Yeah, I mean, it feels like I'm learning bass all over again. Yeah, I just finished like um, Andrew Wong's course uh, in production. You know the guy on YouTube? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The monthly thing. Um, finished there yesterday, and uh, honestly, it was like uh, my first week playing the bass or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in yeah. terms of my skills with music production, so yeah, yeah, it's it's a whole different ball game. It is, yeah. It's tricky as well to like not lose faith because. It's like when you start learning, you can't hear the mistakes. But when once you develop an ear to know what sounds bad, um, it makes it really hard to start learning something new. I think because you you still have that ear, like mm. like with you know having played bass for so long at this stage, like I've developed enough of an ear to know when my production sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so same. it's like it can be hard to improve from there, or rather, like just keep at it. I suppose sometimes, and not kind of lose your nerve. Um, well it's important if you want to get a be like a musical director in a band these days to be able to do that yeah, kind of sure. music production things because sometimes the bass the, well the musical director might have to do the backing tracks for the in-ears and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's definitely a good skill to have like yeah well that's it like I mean I feel like that's um, like music tech with like logic and all that sort of stuff and like knowing how DAWs work I feel is probably going to become and even, I mean, it's already a very big part of, like, session work, but it's probably going to only get bigger over time, like... I, you'd probably so, say you'd have to, if you're, like, a young bass player, would you say you'd get away with oh, yeah, not yeah. understanding any of that stuff these days, or would you have I, to? I don't really think so, honestly, like... Um, not that I... I don't think you'd be dropped from a gig, because, you know, if you're there playing bass, you're there playing bass, like, but... Um, you're definitely more desirable, I think, if you can look at a track and understand, like, what's going on in terms of production. Mm. Especially because, you know, so much of, uh, like, I suppose when I say, like, session work like this, what kind of springs to mind is, like, hip-hop or, like, kind of pop stuff that's normally written all in DAWs and stuff and then brought to life by, like, a live band is, like, so much of what goes on today in that kind of music is, like, the bass sounds are kind of at the forefront of everything. Like, yeah. Like, they're really, really saturate and fill out and, like, being able to kind of like pick apart what makes a bass sound in a mix is like I think it's probably one of the most like one of the biggest parts of scene like or sorry of like performing that kind of music live mm. in a really good way is like being able to pick out what actually makes the bass sound good in that track yeah and, and the tones. To, like recreate it somehow yeah have you done the synth bass much yet like have you got into that I I have a MIDI keyboard here but honestly I haven't gotten into the like keyboard they don't play like it like bass. a keyboard though. I was watching um, your man Jamiroquai's synth bass synth player has a channel yeah, yeah. on YouTube since lockdown uh, he's building up a nice following like but watching him playing it's nothing like playing a piano the way they play it because they bounce yeah, yeah, off okay. all the notes like it's it's a very different kind of style like. yeah yeah I think I, I've been trying to get around it and put it off by, uh, I got like that Source Audio C4 pedal because um, the way that like that thing's nuts Um it basically, like, you plug it into your, like, computer or whatever, and they have their own software where it's, like, it's basically just a full modular synthesizer. So you can do, like, pretty much anything mm. in it and then save it to the pedal. And you have, like, six presets on the pedal. So I have, like, 808s and big, like, Moog bases and stuff there. But, oh, like, cool. I don't have to swap to a keyboard. I can actually just play it with and my bass. Is that expensive, that C4? That was 250 quid. But okay. Janik Gwizdal is into that pedal, is he? I think I've seen him put I think put he could be, board, actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a great pedal. Um, I, it's actually, I think, the last new pedal that I got. 
but I do not regret it at all. Yeah, I have, I have the HX stomp in my cart there online. Oh, okay, well then you're sorted. <laughs> I haven't put, pressed the trigger yet, but I will. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I get it, because uh, I find myself not really wanting to pull... These days, I just couldn't be bothered taking out my pedal board. And because yeah. I come up with an I've idea I've had to leave mine set up like could, I won't use it otherwise yeah like. but like I find <laughs> yeah, yeah. like what I like to do is I like to record a part and then in the computer put in all the different effects and change everything so like yeah. if I have the HX stomp I can just do everything on the computer instead of going around my shed looking for the perfect fuzz and the perfect envelope filter yeah, or whatever like. yeah yeah well I found that as well but like one of the handiest parts of getting better with like logic or whatever is that like you don't really even need to plug in a pedal board no unless like you know I, I haven't found a fuzz that actually sounds like a big muff yet well they haven't I don't think they've to. ever emulated fuzz or distortion digitally yeah, but yeah, every other effect the they same. can do yeah. like you know yeah for sure which just makes it so much easier than like having to set up the pedals and like you know then you can like with delays and reverbs and stuff obviously you can just set it to the project tempo there's no tap tempos or anything so yeah, it just does it, the job. Like. It's handy. Yeah. It's handy. That's like. the way forward. <laughs> it is, yeah. So you don't... It's, do you think you'd end up in a function band or do you want to kind of stick... If if you could make a living, stick with the original stuff, I suppose. And that yeah, no, of- that's that's what I'd very happily be doing. Um, like, I'll do the function stuff quite happily too. I was actually, like, I think the last time I was doing function stuff was I had a big string of gigs. Not, yeah, last Christmas. Coming into 2020. Um that was like kind of my first taste of actual mm. like session gigs at pubs and stuff like that. And what kind of but, stuff um, were you doing? What Just chart music? Kind of. Yeah, it was kind of just um, like classic rock covers mm. and stuff like that with some funk in there as well. It was with some guys who were all in uh, New Park, the jazz school. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was like, I, I really enjoyed doing it um, more than I thought I was going to because people always talk about like pub gigs and stuff and give out about it but that's like, only when you've done a few thousand of them you're like <laughs> yeah exactly like it was actually great crack at all fairness like <laughs> no that, and the money's a lot better um than original stuff like oh yeah definitely better. but when you're just yeah. learning the covers for fun like you can enjoy them but when you've done them when you're doing that every night of the week for the whole year like then you get kind of sick of it so yeah i suppose you'll have to do a lot more of those function gigs before you get completely sick of before it before i'm allowed to hate it like <laughs> well luckily people love stevie wonder so you'll usually get to play a few stevie wonder tunes in those function yeah, bands well then you're happy out like <laughs> yeah you're busy then i sure it'll come back i've never i've done a few of those gigs but not a lot like you know i dip in a blues mm. band a bit and um guy from Dublin his, uh, what's he, Hector Castilla a Venezuelan guy and that's fun cool. you know doing that Any anytime when you're kind of out of your comfort zone getting thrown into a new group like without a lot of practice is, is good it's good fun but I do a yeah, lot, I sure. did a lot of prep though for the first gig I'm not I'm not going to pretend like I just turned up and winged it like I, I did do a good bit of prep yeah yeah I, I found that as well with those gigs last year was like I think the set list, so like the way they run those gigs that they were doing was, um, they were like, they, I, well, they probably don't anymore, but they used to have a residency in um, Berlin on Dame Street, in that pub. But um, they had a, it was like a 45 song set list that they just pick out from. So I spent the entirety of St. Stephen's Day last Christmas for about 10 hours just sitting there learning tunes. Like. <laughs> That's ter- Was that good or bad, Stephen's Day? <laughs> I Honestly, I can't remember because it was just a blur of like trying to remember stuff. But I got to the stage where like, you know, 
they'd call a tune, I'd sit there and I'd be like, um, I can't remember from the name of the song how this goes, but yeah. as soon as I hear the first chord, I'll remember it. Like. Exactly. And once you hear some kind of rhythm or sound of it, like it, it comes yeah, back. Yeah, just some, some signifier you're grand, like, but it, the name was not enough. Like, <laughs> Well, sure, you, was, you just don't so have funny. that muscle exercise. You know, you were, you were never really in cover bands, so. Yeah. I, was, I suppose it's probably a skill as well of like just learning like a heap of tunes oh, and yeah. actually being able to remember all of it like definitely I mean you learn them by ear yeah. like you, you're you were used to doing that kind of stuff transcribing st- things yeah yeah oh yeah that's that's how I learned it like pretty much everything that I do is by ear Um, I do I try to look at charts more as well like sheet music just because it's I mean it's not a skill that I've actually been working on enough mm. in all fairness like it's probably an area where I'm like lacking is actually being able to read but um, I try to do it every so often just to remind myself that I need to do it more. <laughs> well, it's the kind of thing you kind of keep practicing because you just yeah. kind of lose it. it, it, it yeah. I, I can do it, but I'm not really good at it. But I can definitely make some kind of chart, you know, in MuseScore when I need to. But I'm painfully slow at it. Like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, I don't find charts that tricky, but it is like, it's when you have like note-based stuff. Like chord charts, grand, sort of, yeah. flying like, but... It's anything past that is a bit of a bit of a challenge. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, but sure, I, I gigs will be back later in the year. Like, so do you think um your the, the original bands are in? Will all four of them be like gigging at the same time, or how does it yeah. how does it work being in four bands? <laughs> it's it's looking that way. <laughs> They're all raging to get going, and you're just like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to manage being in four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like we've been doing this for a year, lads. Like, just don't rush it, like. <laughs> No, I am actually dying to get back again. Um, like, it's, I think, probably an area of music that I never get bored with. Like, and I don't think I've ever, I mean, I've had bad gigs, but with the exception of one gig in Mayo once, um, which I won't talk about. Uh, well, you started, <laughs> All of them, you started now, yeah. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I was just, it was this, um, it was like a charity gig for, it was like a local fundraiser or something. Because the other two lads in the band are from Mayo, mm. out in Foxford, like, but, um, it was just this charity gig and as we were setting up we were standing on stage and then a raffle started and we were oh, standing yeah. there I've just waiting that. to play <laughs> for 25 minutes as they were calling out people's names and we started playing and it's all like kind of noise rock post-punk mm. stuff which obviously does not fly in Mayo like, <laughs> was it like someone's gig. mam or something said you'd be great yeah, play oh, a bit of music like. it was, yeah yeah and it was just mostly like mams and grannies and stuff in the room I was just like <laughs> painfully awkward like <laughs> oh god I've been there definitely when I was your age as well yeah same thing it was all like you're a musician will you play at the the function yeah. and you're like you do not want to listen to us ah, sure. yeah you don't want me playing like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they don't know until you start playing they're like oh and even one time I was doing it and we did um, they wanted a waltz like it was like a after wedding thing and we ended up somehow saying we do it and um, we played Tommy the Cat, but in a waltz. And we were, oh my God. we were like telling the people, <laughs> we were telling the couples, this is, you can dance, you can have a waltz like to this. It's in three, four, but because it didn't sound like Fields, Vattenroy or whatever, they, a waltz they're used to hearing, they just, yeah, they, yeah. they even hated that. Like, it was like, oh, we're, we're lost here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a weird one as well when you're like, it could feel everybody in a room kind of staring at you going like what the fuck is this <laughs> like <laughs> yeah well that that might have been a night to pull out the cover set you know <laughs> yeah yeah 
There is there. Yeah, it probably would have been a brave, a good move. Like, <laughs> is there vocals in all your bands, or are some of them instrumental? Yeah, um, there's one. So there's one that um, I actually posted the video for. Yeah, so basically, I wrote this song for um, like a, an exam, like a solo performance exam, but it's with uh, another bassist and a drummer, and it's all kind of instrumental math rock sort of stuff. Um, and that one might be. I don't know we might keep writing more with that because the first one actually turned out way better than we were expecting. So mm. that'd be the only instrumental one, but the rest fits all with vocals and stuff. So good stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah cheers, man. I'm trying to think. Do we? Do you want to cover anything else? Um, there's not really much I can think of. No. Honestly, I think that's well, your your, yeah. your career is so young. You know, you're you're and you've kind of well, that's it. Yeah. The COVID thing kind of knocked your. You like you should have been gigging through Dublin in Dublin on the scene like all the time like yeah yeah well like at the same time I've kind of come to a place where it's like it's not just me who's like in this situation I mean everybody is yeah. it's not like I'm missing out on anything because nothing's happening <laughs> yeah so I I kind of feel that as well like you don't yeah, you don't yeah. have FOMO because there's not you're not missing out on anything everybody's not, yeah literally like yeah so at least yeah. you're upskilling you know after this you'll be you'll be good at doing the production and all that side of things yeah for sure I mean, hopefully yeah like I, mean, I think on that as well of like realising how early in, in like my career I suppose I am is like a really big one was actually coming to final year of college now and realising where I'm at at the moment because like at the start and all the way through college I felt like you know it's like oh I need to be like at a professional level already mm. but I kind of realised like you know I'm not going to be touching people like Paul Moore or whatever or any of the like kind of greatest bassists that are like in the country until I'm at their age like because no. they've had th- like decades of well, experience like, think, and I'm think, like very new think like. about it like this if you're a, a sports athlete you peak at 30 if you're a musician your peak is you know, the day you die will be the last day you get to practice so exactly yeah <laughs> yeah. so you can just always keep getting better yeah but you're so what you're, sure you're really young now you're, you're even you're barely 20 20 21. 21 like um, so i had actually yeah, i yeah. kind of given up on mi- playing music as a career by by around 23 like i think and um then just the band did really well so i decided to okay. keep it going you know i'll yeah. once i was in, i started a college a college degree like uh doing science and i was like ah sure the music will just be a hobby but then by the end of the degree i was making enough money playing music that i could keep do, just playing music for a living so it was kind of around yeah. around about way of ending up being being a full-time musician yeah for sure I mean like a big part of it as well these days is like this is one thing that I really picked up in college is like the amount that like is in our hands these days and not like the music industry I suppose and the way like you make money mm-hmm. um, or make a career out of it or make a living out of it is like it's really good because like, you need to know a lot more yeah. than you used to I suppose but um, in terms of like your own publishing rights and like kind of all the business side of things it's like way more open now than I think it ever has been like, yeah the gatekeeper they're not the gatekeepers anymore yeah, yeah. Like, th- that's th- it that's yeah, true yeah. and people often say it to me like because they say like oh you're you're a great blues rock band you should have been around in the 70s you'd be massive but then I was thinking well we might have been one of the bands in the 70s who were really good but didn't make get a break like Budgie Jer- exactly Jer- isn't the yeah, Budgie yeah. they're like this Welsh I haven't no, I uh, Metallica have. covered their tune for Garage Inc and that got them a nice boost oh, okay, right. brilliant band like class riffs and everything and mm. they just never hit big they never got the, the break from the record company but it wasn't because they were well, a class it, band yeah. so these days if you're a class band you work hard enough 
you will get somewhere and there's not you're yeah. not relying you're not waiting for a record company to well pay allow you to record an album because back then you wouldn't have been able to record an album with your own money It'd be just too it wouldn't be yeah. possible like and to get tours yeah, and no, de- I mean, record deals and all this stuff but these days you just yeah, no, do you could it. just do all that yourself i mean that's how you know um with girl band alan the guitarist he is like the manager for the band like and they're a band who are like they play like pitchfork festivals and stuff like that i mean they're kind of for that scene they're kind of as big as like they can really get like mm. um but he's still the manager for everything like and I actually remember um we heard this as well from um you know Pliny the he's like an instrumental master prog rock guitarist mm. he did a master class in BIM once I think two years back but um he was talking about that and Pliny is his own manager as well so he was saying like you know while they were touring Europe once I think their van broke down and then the hotel cancelled on them so they they just finished the show and they were walking around aimlessly and he was just panicking on his yeah. phone looking for the next hotel Trying or something to fix like everything. exactly yeah but it's like i mean even up at that high level like you you can still be your own manager like yeah definitely we do all our own, yeah, yeah. we do everything ourselves we get we have tour bookers now like but everything else is yeah like we killed a deer on the way home from spain like a few years ago and it's not as if we could ring like Johnny, the the tour manager, yeah, to say yeah. <laughs> we're fucked here. We're on them. We're p- pulling dead deer out of the van in the middle of France. Oh, Jesus, and can you get us home? It was like, no, just look after ourselves. Like, yeah, yeah. How did that work out in the end? <laughs> ah, it was well. We, we hit the deer anyway. The deer was asleep. On we we were playing a gig in um uh, was it uh, was it in it was in northern Spain in Galicia, and um. We finished the gig and Jev was we said Jev was saying, Oh, if we drive for thirteen hours like and don't sleep, we we'll be able to go and we'll get home like the plan was to go to bed in Galicia and get a different ferry. Oh, okay. But he was like, Oh sure, we'll get home a day early, why not? Like so we decided to drive through the night, like, for like thirteen hours without stopping. You could only stop to piss like oh, once or twice. So uh I, I think I 'cause I was slightly awake, like, and then um we we were going along and do you know I don't know if you ever had like a near life a near death experience uh, and the reason been, why you're yeah, I've been in the car with my dad before in similar scenarios the <laughs> reason why the slow motion things happens is because your brain like your body puts more energy in puts more um, resources into your brain so like you're mm. able to sense what's going on way more clearly and that's why it seems like it's slow motion because your body's like okay, we're going to die. He better ha- be able to yeah, yeah. sense what's going on better. <laughs> so anyway, we just saw the deer's arse, like the deer asleep on the motorway and boom, it just folded like an accordion and it just guts came oh, up Jesus. everywhere, all up onto the van. Christ. And uh, we didn't even... Was it your van or was it a oh, rental? It was our van, or? yeah. It was totally. Oh, okay, well then... DIY okay. van. Like, <laughs> we was three of us in a, a transporter and um, we just didn't even slow down. We just kept going like, and we pulled into a filling, sta- <laughs> pulled into a filling station and... We just started cleaning the guts off the van, like, and th- there was blood, and you hell. could smell the meat cooking, like, it was crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the venison was, it was smelled great, like, it didn't. It's very fresh, like. But, uh, we were very <laughs> close to the border of France, so we, when we got to the, I don't know if you've ever driven into France, there's um, armed security, like, loads of them with guns, like. Yeah, yeah. And um, they were just laughing at us, because they always laugh at us, like, these beardy <laughs> guys, leprechauns or whatever, like. Yeah, yeah. And, um. <laughs> We just drove through and it was grand and we had, well, well obviously then we realised we're not going to get our ferry. So like you were saying, I, I was on the phone and I found us an Airbnb, the one we'd stayed on earlier in the tour. 
And they both, we, we contacted them and they said, yeah, no bother. And we were like, we won't be here till like the morning or middle of the night. So we drove all the way through France and then finally got stopped by the police in Cherbourg. And they were like, Jesus. They, were out, they were like, what's going on? Like, there's blood what's on your the, van. What's the crack of the car, lads? Like? We told them what happened and they just thought it was hilarious. Like, they were just like, do you yeah. still have the deer? But um, yeah, we survived that. But like you said, there was no one to ring to get us out of trouble. Yeah. Like, I didn't sleep for two or three days after it was... It was mental, like just. Yeah, yeah. It was my first car crash, so we didn't. It wasn't even a crash, so we didn't even stop moving. So <laughs> we were really lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, Jesus. <laughs> so you, you've that ahead of you, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Much to look forward to. So, do you think do you, you'll stay in Dublin? Do you have to? Do you think you need to be in a big city like yeah, Dublin I think or Cork? I, honestly, I do. Um, like in terms of just like who I rehearse with because with a lot of the, the original stuff as well like it, it I think it benefits so much from being in a room together although I have been writing remotely over quarantine and stuff it's like you, you lose so much when that happens um, and especially with like if I want to do session work or like covers gigs I think I need to be in Dublin first mm. um, also it's just like I don't know my life is in Dublin now yeah. it's not really in Galway like are you, yeah, are you in like the Galway city or I'm, outside in the countryside we're in Connemara. Oh, class. Um, That's unreal, though. That, yeah. You'll appreciate that no, when you're on away for long enough. You're like... <laughs> no, I do. I, I, I appreciate it at the moment. Like, And I'm here for the past month, but it's just like... It, like, It's a big downside with Connemara. As much as I love it, Like, I mean, a lot of the music that I'd play just doesn't fly. Like, No. At Tina all. G's studios, would they not give like young bands a, a chance like to play a bit? I like? they've done... They had um, a show... Like, my dad actually used to work with them on stuff, and he used to work on Russ and Rune and stuff mm. like that as well, because he works in TV. Yeah. Um, but I know they had a show called Immel, which is, I think it's the Irish for Fringe or something like that. But they used to put on, um, like, a huge variety of acts. Yeah, which are at the picnic when the you country. go to the, the, the tent for the Irish speakers. Um, yeah, they, yeah. they have loads of crazy, like, Asquilga bands, yeah, yeah, like teenagers playing post-rock and whatever you can think of. Like It's great, yeah. though. It, it, it's really good way of keeping the language alive like because it's, it's weird as well like having moved to Dublin like uh, I was in Gwale Skulls all the way up like oh, so you're a Gwale girl so yourself I'm, like it's Gwale girl man uh, <laughs> don't start now because yeah. I'll be t- yeah, sorry. languages were not my uh, forte in school science yeah. and that was, and bit of history but not languages yeah but um, it's really weird moving to Dublin and like kind of realising how dead the language is everywhere mm. outside of Connemara like, oh totally well uh, they're um, the nearest yeah. um uh, a Gwail a Gwailga place to me is uh, what's the place near Dungarvan is, is the near, ring on ring yeah 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 but um so you, I can't even say I've been before would but, you speak yeah. um at home like to the parents and everything oh no my parents are dubs oh, like okay. they're they're useless like <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny like you just like you just bump into people and like on the prom or something like that in like the village um I just like say hello and just have a full conversation in Irish and then catch myself halfway through and be like, oh, I'm just speaking in Irish again. That's class. Like it's just, yeah, but it's just something like I completely forget about when I'm in Dublin as well because like nobody actually speaks it. Uh, I think the lads like, in Godalone are Gwilgords as well, are they? They are, yeah, So yeah. do you speak to them, ask Gwilga when you meet her? Actually, I must do that the next time I see them actually. <laughs> I always thought it'd be handy on tour while, like so. as like... Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if there's some dodgy yeah, shit going on, on holidays, like, like, and you want to be like speaking in yeah. secret <laughs> well that's it I mean that's the only advantage to speaking a dead language is that like 
even out so even within Ireland people have no idea what you're saying when you're speaking it like. <laughs> yeah I was on on the interrail years ago when I was about I think it was 17 or something and um, there was yeah, this, yeah. we were on the night train and every, we everyone said probably don't get the night train as they're dodgy but you save loads of money because you end up sleeping on the train so you you manage to get the train and save a day's accommodation like but yeah okay th- so it was me and four about four of my friends so there was one one bed or, or one space left in our cabin we were like oh sure no one would come in like why would they want to be in our room like but this dodgy guy just came in and he just wouldn't leave oh, and he spoke English and then we tried a bit of French because we were doing French in school he spoke French we spoke a bit of a bit of Spanish no so in the end we just started speaking really bad Irish to each other and he didn't understand because yeah, yeah. <laughs> all he wanted to do it's was rob us as soon as he like, fell asleep yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, have that though. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, never. So, would you not use a bit of the Irish in your music, like, or is it you don't even think about? Actually, yeah, it no, in? I've been coming. I've been bringing that around recently. Um, is with nerves, like we've been working on. Um, since quarantine during the summer, we've been working on uh, an album actually, and kind of piecing it together. Uh, we've, I think we have, we're kind of in the process of demo and everything and refining it now. But we have about twelve tracks, kind of, pretty much finished. But uh, on one of them, I'm thinking about doing some, like, spoken word Irish mm. stuff because I realise, like, it's kind of a... It's not something you hear too much. No. Um, and it's, a, like, it's a really interesting texture as well because it's one that, like, jumps out to anybody who doesn't speak Irish. Like, they will be clueless, but it's also, like... I don't know, as a language, it's, like, very musical. Did you ever play spoken, Metal Gear like. Solid 1 on PlayStation? <laughs> no, I haven't. So when you're playing, like, when I was... Uh, young like that was the game the big game like because it was the first it was probably the first ever yeah, yeah. cinematic game like um with a great story and good voice acting but at the, yeah, and yeah. he drew kojima as like this genius of game making oh yeah no i'm i'm, I'm clued in with uh all the mgs but stuff and they're like, singing in Oscar like, like when the very first scene when snake is swimming in there's this woman yeah. singing Osquilga. The my like, what's the name really? of the song? But I remember playing. I was like, Jesus, they're speaking Osquil. She's singing in Irish. That's unbelievable. And when you go online, like, and obviously Metal Gear Solid is huge, uh, yeah, it's international massive, game, like, it's, and all the comments yeah, yeah. people are like, whatever this language is that she's singing, I don't know what it is, Chinese or something. It's absolutely haunting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, he just chose that, or someone advised him said, you should sing the song in uh, Osquilga. It will sound really lovely and haunting like so yeah yeah that's one of the f- times oh, I okay. I saw I heard like Irish in popular culture but generally you don't hear yeah, it yeah. that much like when it's got oh, no, absolutely not nothing to do with Ireland like that game is yeah, Japanese yeah. like they, it's got yeah. and none of the characters are Irish so I don't know how the connection came about but you don't see it in popular culture that much like no you really don't I mean like I'm trying I think like there's the last time I saw it pop up and actually like go viral or whatever like get some traction was uh that video with like monolingual irish speaker it's just this is like some lad in Kerry or something who only speaks irish and i like as a fluent speaker was completely clueless as to what he was saying like, <laughs> was it a joke like that he doesn't speak any english no he actually only speaks irish, how does that like, happen like i don't know <laughs> what era is he think he lives he's living in like, oh he's, he's an old old, oh, he's an old like, man i thought it was a young yeah fella. yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, no, that'd be even funnier. Like, <laughs> but sure, sometimes you. Hear- Although we're actually we're not we're not far off that like like back the way it's the phrase for like going deeper into Connemara. Mm. It's like so if you go back the way, you have people whose like first language is actually mm. Irish, and then English is a second language, and they speak like with the thickest Irish accent. It's not even Irish anymore. It's like 
Gwilga accent, like when they're speaking English, it's hilarious. Like <laughs> that's that's class. Well, do you think do you not play trad at all? Like considering you're from such a, a an Irish traditional place, like not really. Weirdly enough, because it's just like. I wish I'd actually gotten the chance to play more and I probably will try to explore it more in the future as well. Um, but the opportunity never really came up because mm. like, I, I, there was one cover gig I did actually around the time I was doing those ones back like a year ago in January or whatever that uh, I was doing a cover gig with my friend Stephen in Sligo. Um, but it was like a lot of, we had brought in some trad stuff as well and like kind of the like trad fusion arrangements are actually ridiculously good crack to play. Mm. Like I'd kind of underestimated because like it, the kind of association in my head with trad a lot of the time is just like watching like men in their sixties who are hammered in the local pub just <laughs> badly like yeah, you got making you the got to check out moving hearts like, you know Owen O'Neill yeah well that's it yeah they're fantastic like yeah yeah but that's like the really interesting side of it that I uh, I think I underestimated mm. a lot when I was younger so yeah I don't play it at all either I'd but I'd love to, to learn the Ellen pipes or something such a cool instrument yeah like, yeah. But I, I, I even can't, I was asking Owen when I interviewed him, like, how do you play the bass in trad music? And it's kind of hard, it's a, it's a different kind of style, isn't it? Like, do, well, it is, yeah. Like, we, we were covering it once. Uh, we we had a styles module in um, second year with uh, Adam Taylor, one of my lecturers. But in that module, like, we were kind of covering a range of different styles. But he put in, like, trad fusion because he was like, Moving Hearts is a brilliant example of this mm. genre. Like, but, um, it is like the way it, it like kind of counterpoints and carries some of the melodies and stuff and it's a really really fun way of playing bass like yeah I'd like to get into it more like it's definitely the kind of yeah. band you could do well in like you could tour outside Ireland people they, yeah, they laugh sure, that stuff they have the whole, like, like Germans especially oh, oh Irish. brilliant yeah, yeah. very good yeah, yeah. you have more Pilsner or whatever great place yeah. to tour by the way <laughs> Germany the, the beer is unbelievable and <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. they give you plenty of it for free I remember they were giving me free beer for breakfast night we stayed in this place and oh it's a long story i'm not going to get into it but anyway every morning <laughs> i'll probably tell it another in another time on the podcast but every morning yeah. he was giving me lager for breakfast at nine o'clock jesus christ i told him how much i thought it was d- delicious like and then this big massive uh what do they call him beer stein of beer yeah, at yeah. nine o'clock in the morning and he was kind of looking at me like he'd be insulted if i had a normal breakfast so yeah. i just went along with it <laughs> for two or three days <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> them were the days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, cheers for coming on, Charlie. Um, I'm, yeah, thanks I'm for interested in following Great. your stuff. Like, well, and I'd like to, you should definitely release some of your own um material. Like, yeah, I'm kind of working away on it, so um, I will when I'm when I'm happy enough with it well, that I know it's like when it's ready, a good enough standard, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, usually you need someone to like tell you they're going to put you on a compilation or something and then you're like oh crap yeah, I yeah. Need well then you have a deadline yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah cheer i see i see you like going a lot of places because um you're definitely a name that pops up like as uh, of the people that are in bim at the moment so you'll def- right, i can okay. see you've been playing in whatever kind of session stuff happens in the irish music world going forward like so i'll definitely be seeing you cool. on the stage at electric picnic i'm sure like when when yeah, it comes hopefully back so, whenever yeah one day. <laughs> <laughs> no, just keep at it and uh, it'll happen. Cheers.